This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 596 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by Eco Gold saddle pads and protective boots for your equine athlete. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is about the problems and pitfalls of breeding your mare. It's an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on Horses in the Morning, episode 333. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Eco Gold. Eco Gold uses the latest developments in textile engineering plus smart design to make the most advanced saddle pads and protective boots available. Here's what two-time Canadian Olympic three-day coach, international competitor, and author Jane Savoy has to say about Eco Gold pads. I love the Eco Gold dressage pad. I love the way it looks and how it stays perfectly in place. But most importantly, I love the frictionless feature that ensures that my horses are happy. If you care about your horse's comfort, you'll love this pad too. Ask for Eco Gold frictionless saddle pads at your local tax supplier store or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Now, enjoy today's tip. You know, it just might ruin his lunch when we're talking about, and I'm, I'm, I'm going down the list here, testicles, semen, uh, oviducts, ovulation, all those things make a man very uncomfortable. Uterine infections, this is going to be great. I'm so excited. Michelle from thehorse.com, and we've got so Dr. Margo McPherson. Welcome, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so we, this is kind of part two of breeding. We, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about it with Dr. Jones last week or kind of got in depth. But uh, I believe this is – now, Michelle, why part two? What are we going to discuss today? So last week we talked about those mare breeding basics, what mare owners should expect, especially uh, mare owners who are new to breeding, breeding their horses. Um, this week we're going to talk about when things go wrong uh, with those mares that you're trying to get pregnant. Um, it's super frustrating to really want that foal on the ground, um, but to take the mare and you have big dreams of what your foal is going to turn out like, um, and then you can't get her pregnant. And so um, Dr. Jones uh, called up her friend, Dr. McPherson, uh, to help field some of these questions this week. Um, Dr. McPherson is from the University of Florida. Uh, She is the reproduction chief there, and she's board certified. So thank you for joining us, Dr. McPherson. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michelle. So, uh, Dr. McPherson, you uh, moderated the repro sessions at AEP at the most recent convention uh, in San Antonio, and I was just wondering if you could give us kind of some highlights and things that stood out for you while you were there before we get started on these problem mares. Uh, there were a number of really great papers at the AAP this year. Um, it was a particularly good repro section. There were two sessions, and the one that I moderated, there were several techniques that were discussed that were of interest. 
Uh, one of our speakers, Stefania Buka, talked a lot about using the ultrasound to evaluate the cervix of a mare. And typically, we have not been using the ultrasound to do that. It's a technique that is used very commonly in women. And she's applied it to the use of horses to try to diagnose changes in the cervix during pregnancy and when the mare is cycling. So it's a useful technique um, for veterinarians to be able to apply to horse yeah. reproduction. There was a very nice paper at looking at oviductal patency, which again, if we ex extrapolate from women, that's a very common cause of infertility in women. It has not been thought to be a cause of infertility in mares in the past, but uh, this group from Texas A&M showed that indeed they were able to use uh, a laparoscopic technique to access the oviduct, and they showed that actually in some very young mares there were accumulations of debris that were probably causing the mares to have blockages of their oviducts. So it was a it was a really really neat presentation. Some of the other things so, that were, were go ahead. Oh, I I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you talking about your AEP stuff. Um, but I was going to ask. Um, so are these uh, mares that have these issues with these fall into that category of a quote unquote problem breeding mare? A mare with an oviduct, yeah, the oviductal patency issue uh, would be very low on the list of things that would potentially cause infertility, but it certainly is something that we need to examine more carefully. We have kind of ignored that in the past. Um, it's probably not going to be a cause of infertility in a vast majority of mares, but in the mare that has been um, unable to get pregnant over subsequent seasons and several cycles and bred to known fertile stallions, this would be an area that I would probably investigate. So how, how do you define a problem breeding mare? Is it the mare that doesn't get pregnant after a couple of cycles or is it more than that? That's such a great question. It's um, And one of the things that I think that we all forget about is that, that there are several variables that will contribute to pregnancy in a mare. So first, it's the mare's reproductive health, and of course, then it's the stallion's reproductive health as well. And then management plays a really, really important role. And so our first step is to kind of address all those component parts. And then when we have identified that a mare is being bred using good management techniques, so she's being bred very close to ovulation with very high quality semen, yet she's still not becoming pregnant after several cycles. I mean, we generally say three cycles in a year. Um, then it's time to investigate why she's not getting pregnant. And last week, uh, Dr. Jones talked about doing the culture and cytology on the mare before you take her to the breeding shed. So with those tests, what are we looking for and what shows up if there's a problem in those tests and what, what do we do about it? Culture and cytology, those are good screening tools, and that has been sort of the, the doctrine that has been used, particularly in thoroughbreds, for years and years and years. And that's based on the principle that infection is what's causing the mare not to become pregnant. And, of course, in a live breeding situation like thoroughbreds, they definitely um, don't want a stallion to become infected because a mare has a uterine infection. So again, 
early in the season, they're used as screening tools to make sure that the mare doesn't have some active infection that would, one, prevent her from becoming pregnant, and two, would contribute toward the stallion becoming infected. In terms of identifying the problem breeding mare, it's really just one piece of the puzzle because infectious infertility is only one aspect. There are lots of things that can contribute to a mare not becoming pregnant, just like we talked about, oviductal patency being one of those potential things. So that would be a good start. So in your experience, and this is what you do all day long, um, what are the most common causes of mares not getting pregnant? Uh, when, infection. when you have it narrowed down to it being a mare issue. Right. Well, infection certainly would be one of them, and that would be a mare that has uh, been bred several times and exposed to a lot of contaminants. So infection would be one thing, but a, a normal, healthy mare should be able to clear any kind of contamination to her tract during the breeding process. So there are also some kind of um, intrinsic defects to just the system. So the the uterus itself is a muscle, and if the uterus isn't contracting appropriately, it may not get rid of the contents of it, you know, after breeding. So it will have a lot of contamination. It might not empty that debris out through the cervix after breeding. And there are things that can cause the mare to have, you know, a compromise to her immune system. So she may not mount the right response to those contamination um, products, if you will, during breeding. So those would be the first things I would look at. The other thing is is that oftentimes we're working with an aged population. So particularly, again, if we think about thoroughbreds, we are breeding mares based on their pedigrees, not based on their reproductive soundness. And so we can be breeding these mares into their 20s and they will age in all aspects of their body systems. And part of that aging process is that they will have um, sort of scar tissue formation in their uterus that that we call fibrosis, or they might have this muscular problem that won't allow them to empty their uterus very well after breeding. And again, that can be an age related thing, or they can have defects or compromise to just their vascular system. So blood flow to the uterus. Again, it's important to have a lot of blood flow to that area to support a pregnancy. So age age is certainly a big part of that equation. So uh, for age, you're talking about our, the older mares. Are there any issues with the younger mares? Uh, another great question. So n- not as frequently with a young mare. Again, a young mare in good body condition should have all the right Uh, components to be able to clean herself up appropriately. She should be able to evacuate her uterus of all the bad things that are in there after breeding. Um, And the sperm should be able to get up to the oviducts in in the perfect world. The mare that is interesting to us is the middle-aged mare. And that's the mare that we're seeing more of. She's, She's a mare who's been involved in a performance career early in her life. And then she gets to her teens and an owner decides that they want to breed her. And that mare, while she might not have fibrosis or, you know, any kind of scar tissue or anything like that, may have a cervix that won't dilate appropriately during the breeding cycle. 
And what happens is the cervix stays closed after the marriage has been bred, and so then she might still she might have her uterus contract to try to clean her, her uterus out after breeding, but her cervix is closed, and so everything that's inside the uterus can't come out. So that's a, a problem we're seeing more of. And how do you address that problem? Uh, it's tough. Um, we we try lots of different things. We try to monitor the mare pretty carefully during her cycle. So when we're breeding her, we, we monitor her cervical dilation and see whether or not she has fluid after breeding. <clears throat> Excuse me. We also will use things like oxytocin. We use a lot of oxytocin in and around the breeding period. So if she does have fluid accumulation in her uterus, we can encourage the uterus to contract, and sometimes oxytocin will also help the cervix relax some. And in really serious cases, we can use things like a prostaglandin E product. Some people might have heard of mesoprostol, <clears throat> pardon me, that is useful for helping the muscles of the cervix dilate, and it will cause the cervix to relax so that then when the uterus contracts, the contents can come out of it. So this is all higher-level treatment of the mare um, for reproductive issues. At what point should the mare owner bring in a specialist such as yourself uh, to help get their mare pregnant? I think, well, for instance, in my area, I live in Ocala, or near Ocala, Florida, and we have uh, hundreds of very skilled veterinarians that do a lot of breeding work. And so frequently they're doing a great job. And it's when they get to the point of being frustrated or a mare owner is frustrated, a second opinion is helpful. Or when you get to the point where um, your veterinarian has tried traditional things, so things that, that we all use. We use oxytocin in the in the peri-breeding period, and we use uterine flushing to clean up the uterus. That's Those are common techniques, and, and someone has tried those techniques and still is having trouble getting the mare pregnant. That might be when they turn to us as specialists and say, you know, where can, can we take this a step further? Should we look harder? Should we take a uterine biopsy? Should we do an endoscopy? Should we try some other treatments? And you, the the hope is that at the end of all of this, you get this beautiful foal. Um, hmm. But at what point do mare owners who can't have struggled to get their mare pregnant? At what point do they? Do you recommend maybe giving up on getting that mare pregnant? Giving up is a tough is a tough call. Um, I think so. There's a couple of things. First of all, I would exhaust the examination procedures. So culture cytology, and obviously we would ultrasound the mare's tract. But um, we feel strongly about doing endometrial biopsies. It's just a little bit of tissue so that we can look at the uterine integrity microscopically. So we want to see that that is okay. Um, possibly an endoscopic examination to see if there's anything within the uterus that that is abnormal. And if we exhaust those, then we try, and also we will try breeding using really, really great management techniques. And that means it doesn't matter whether we're using fresh cooled or frozen semen. We're trying to inseminate that mare as close to ovulation as possible with very high-quality semen. Sometimes we suggest switching out the stallion if we think that the stallion might be contributing to part of the problem. 
I try to look at it practically. So I think about how I like information delivered to me, and I like to know what my choices are, and I like to know, you know, what the 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 target level is, what the Macy's level is, and what the Nordstrom level is, and so I know how much money I need to spend on things. And then well, the way I usually advise clients is I say, okay, well, let's just picture in our minds what this will cost you if we try to breed your mare over two to three cycles with using optimal conditions. And, you know, we put the figure together. And I generally say it's up to the owner, but they should make a decision about what they're willing to invest. And at the point that they've invested that amount of money, then they should feel good about making a decision not to move forward. And it's not to say they can't change their mind, but the worst case scenario is to get into a situation where we throw good money after bad. And so we are breeding, 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 breeding. And all of a sudden, you know, a mare owner has invested thousands of dollars and they don't have that life full and they feel very resentful because they've spent all that money. So we try to work with them in a stepwise fashion and just say, okay, let's come up with a plan. Let's try to follow it. And if at the end of this, we don't have what you want, which is a pregnancy and a life full, let's talk about where we want to go next. And then they're actively involved in that decision-making process. And and hopefully it all goes well and you end up with that, that perfect full. Uh, yeah, we like to uh, win. Right. We don't, we don't like to yeah. lose in this. <laughs> we, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard for us. I mean, I, I had a, a mayor and a mayor owner last year, that very situation, and it was really frustrating for all of us. And we worked really, really hard on her. And, and, you know, this mare had been bred to a lot of different stallions, yet we still couldn't get her pregnant. And it was hard for me to give up on her. I mean, I wanted to try a couple of different things. You know, there were, uh, there's always a budget involved. And, and so it wasn't as if we had unlimited resources to spend, but the owner was very generous in allowing us to do things. And yet it just, there's something felt undone. We just, we couldn't identify what it was, and so sometimes it's hard for us to give up. But I think in fairness to the mayor, the mayor owner, you have to have sort of some idea of, of when's enough. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about this with us. Oh, my pleasure. Your insight. And, and, and both you guys coming on and and, uh, and uh, being a part of the show. My gosh, it's been a, a fascinating information for those who are uh, breeding and maybe have that problem there. So, uh, Dr. McPherson, is there a place that, you know, people have some some questions about things that you've talked about that they can find you? Do you have a website? We do. We have uh, the Large Animal Hospital at the University of Florida. We have a, a website for reproduction, and I have a page, and there are some of um, these very things. I know that the the interview that I had with the horse at the AAP is there's a link on there. There's some other informative links that are associated with that. I think that's and the horse is a great resource. Um, I think for for all horse owners and problems that are of interest to them, I found it to be an incredibly useful resource online. Well, thehorse.com is the go-to for for pretty much any information that you need. Well, Michelle, uh, anything else? Anything else you got, Michelle? Yeah, um, yeah, I just thought I'd throw out that that AEP wrap-up is going to be in our March print issue, uh, and it's going to have summaries of those sessions that Dr. McPherson helped moderate, plus all the other great 
stuff that happened there. Uh, lots of good information coming up. You can also find those articles uh, online uh, at thehorse.com. You can search for AAEP 2011 to find those. Yeah, there's some wonderful, wonderful articles. That was a great meeting, and uh, there's some really neat stuff. So I would encourage people to look there, and also the AAP website. AAP.com and also thehorse.com. Michelle and Dr. McPherson, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you guys again, maybe Dr. McPherson soon, hopefully, and Michelle will talk to you next week. Okay, wishing hey, thanks, pregnancy Jamie. for everybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I hear that. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go, Jamie. Wishing pregnancy for everybody. Oh, no. I, I, I shun that <laughs> remark. I shun. Only on Horses in the Morning are you going to hear a comment like, wishing pregnancy for everybody. <laughs> to listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to Glenn the Geek and Jamie putting in their two cents on horse health t- topics, tune in to Horses in the Morning every Wednesday. The segment begins at 10 a.m. and you'll get a weekly fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information. You can also go to the Horse.com, that's the Horse.com, and find a motherload of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. And don't forget, support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's sponsor has been Eco Gold. Ask for Eco Gold saddle pads and protective horse boots by name at your local tax store or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like us to cover on the show. You can subscribe to all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.